This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number on this and open line Friday, 877-973-7425. As always, you can text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777 and get the show notes, the web links, all of that stuff to follow me around social media. I want to begin where I think everyone should begin and no one else is going to begin because It's not as immediately salacious, but I think it actually is, and I think it's very important. There are a series of very big stories out about China. I want to suggest to you that we are in uh, a, a very aggressive Cold War with China. Whether we want to acknowledge it or not, whether we want to believe it or not, whether we want to act like it or not, There are a series of stories in the last 24 hours that show that uh, something is up. And by the way, I would note that gas prices are at a nine-month high, and Joe Biden has still not refilled the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. It's the lowest level since 1983, and, and we're walking into a situation with China that's not good. This from the New York Times overnight, two Navy sailors in Southern California were arrested and accused of providing military secrets and sensitive information to Chinese intelligence officers, according to a pair of federal indictments unsealed on Thursday. Jin Chao Wei, known as Patrick Wei, 22, was charged with spying for China under the Espionage Act. Mr. Wei serves aboard the Essex, an amphibious assault ship moored at Naval Base San Diego, which is the home of the Pacific Fleet. As a machinist mate, investigator said, He had clearance that gave him access to sensitive national security information. The second sailor, Petty Officer Wei Hin Zhao, 26, known as Thomas, was charged with taking bribes in exchange for providing sensitive U.S. military information to a Chinese intelligence officer posing as an economic researcher. Mr. Zhao worked at the naval base Ventura County in Port uh, Hunim, which is home to several aircraft squadron and the service's naval construction battalions in the Pacific. The charges appear to reflect the Chinese government's deep interest in the Navy's Pacific fleet and other aspects of the American military operation in the region, part of a broader effort by China to steal American corporate and national security secrets. This is, in the last 12 hours, this news came out. 
And then there's this from uh, the London Telegraph from Matthew Henderson. It's becoming increasingly clear the Chinese computer hackers may have penetrated American military and civil critical infrastructure in ways that could cripple a U.S. response to Chinese armed aggression from the outset. Certainly that would align with Beijing's strategy, familiar from Sun Tzu's Art of War, which is to win the war before a shot is fired. In fact, there's this from July 29th in the New York Times. The Biden administration is hunting for malicious computer code. It believes China has hidden deep inside the networks controlling power grids, communication systems, and water supplies that feed military bases in the United States and around the world, according to American military intelligence and national security officials. The discovery of the malware has raised fears that Chinese hackers, probably working for the People's Liberation Army, have inserted code designed to disrupt U.S. military operations in the event of a conflict, including if Beijing moves against Taiwan in coming years. The malware is a ticking time bomb that could give China the power to interrupt or slow American military deployments or resupply operations by cutting off power, water, and communications to U.S. bases and beyond to all of us. We have Chinese spies infiltrating uh, classified operations within the Pacific Fleet. We have Chinese hackers installing malware into the servers of American military computers and the power grid for the United States. We have the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at the lowest level since 1983, while Oil prices are at a nine-month high. According to Fox News, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm engaged in multiple conversations with the Chinese government's top energy official days before the Biden administration announced it would tap the Strategic Petroleum Reserve to combat high gas prices in 2021. Hunter Biden had business dealings in China. The American press corps is rapidly pivoting back to Donald Trump as an agent of Vladimir Putin, something the Mueller investigation disputed, debunking the Christopher Steele dossier. The American media seems absolutely incurious about why the Biden administration seems more and more intent to make us a vassal state of China. And that's what's going on here. The United States government under Joe Biden seems more and more willing to make us a vassal state to China, to make us a subsidiary of China. They have taken very few aggressive steps against China. They do this dog and pony show on the national stage. And then behind the scenes, they're kowtowing to China at every opportunity. What is going on here? The media is convinced, and it is a by-faith belief. It is by faith the media is convinced Donald Trump is a stooge of Vladimir Putin. And they refuse to look at or examine all of the curious business ties between China and the Biden family. They find scandal in the Christopher Steele dossier that we know is made up and find nothing at all of interest 
in the Chinese business dealings with the Biden family and the payments to the Biden family. They are absolutely incurious about it. At this point, the American media is just an arm of the Democratic Party, has been for some time, but more and more open about it and notorious about it. It's a wonder we even know from the New York Times about the Chinese spying operations. They seem quite intent on covering all of it up and keeping it quiet and downplaying it. The Biden administration itself seems to be bending over backwards to the Chinese. You know, I have long suspected there has long been a theory out there that I buy into that the American political elite have decided that uh, the age of the United States is over, China's on the rise, you might as well cash in and get rich before China takes over. And it looks and more and more like the Biden administration is doing just that, that the Biden family and the Biden administration in general are just trying to cash in and suck up to China before China takes over, trying to get themselves right with the communists before the communists take over. Decline is a choice, and the Biden administration seems to have made the choice to decline. The Chinese, by the way, seem to be taking advantage of a lot of our technical efficiencies. I have long maintained that there's no reason everything needs to be on the Internet. Like, for example, you, you go to, you go to a, a um, department store now, you go to a hardware store, the refrigerators are on the internet. The washing machines and dryers are on the internet. The dishwasher is on the internet. All of that stuff is hackable. A lot of it is made in China. It's super hackable. You can turn your entire home against you if you aren't careful. In fact, there have been people who decided to do the internet of ho- the, 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 the home internet stuff. The Internet of Things, where all the light switches and the TVs and the phones and and the appliances, they're all on the Internet, and hackers have gotten in and turned it against them. Now, full disclosure, I've got a lot of stuff like that in my house. It's one of the reasons I like Apple for all of their faults. They're very big on privacy and security, and so it's very, very hard to be able to engage in some level of tracking and hacking into, into my home system given what I've done with Apple. But a lot of people just use the basic... Uh, uh, internet of home stuff where they can control their light switches and all that by their phone and, and proprietary protocols don't really matter to them. They don't want an open source system. It's all very hackable. And that's what we're doing with our power grid. It's what we're doing with our hospitals. By putting it all online to build inefficiencies and drive down costs, we've made it open to maliciousness from China, Russia, the North Koreans, the Cubans, and others. We probably need to be rethinking this stuff. But also, we need to understand that the Chinese are increasingly our enemy. We are in a Cold War. The only people who seem not to believe that we're in a Cold War with China are the Biden administration and members of the press. Just completely protecting each other. Two American sailors of Chinese descent have been spying for China at the Pacific Fleet. The Chinese have put malicious code into our system. By the way, um, one dude bragged about it. He was in the military. I forget the entire story, but he was in the military. He was at uh, Quantico in Virginia, 
uh, installed stuff into government systems and then escaped to China and bragged about it. And he's a, now a hero in China for having put malicious code into the American military um, codes. And, and this happened in the Obama administration, and the media didn't fully cover it. The guy is literally a hero in China because he was in the military, bragged about putting a virus into government computers in the United States and spying on us, and then hopped a plane to China sought amnesty in China. Of course, they gave him Chinese citizenship, and he's a national hero. This is happening more and more. And nobody seems to want to deal with it in Washington. You got Mike Gallagher. He is the Republican in charge of a uh, special committee investigating China. He's starting to raise alarm bells, and he's starting to find stuff. And by the way, he's getting bipartisan notice for what he's doing. He's decided he takes the matter so seriously, he's not going to run for the Senate. Uh, Republicans wanted him to run for the Senate. And he decided no, because he thinks this work is so much more important that if he were to run for the Senate, he would be accused of grandstanding on this issue, and people would not take it seriously. To his credit, he's generating bipartisan interest in what he's finding. What he's finding is that the Chinese have for years now been embedding people within the United States to spy on us. I have a friend as an aside. He's a bit of a conspiracy theorist, and he's convinced that all the, the mom-and-pop Chinese food restaurants in this country are part of this campaign by China. They're like, no, no, they're not. Uh, we've got a great little Chinese restaurant from us. They fled from China. They're, they're Christians who were persecuted in China, and, and they fled. Um, but it, 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 China does uh, seem intent on sending people to this country. They get college degrees, educated in the United States, and they stick around and bed themselves within the private sector and the government sector, and they are agents of China. And we need to do a better job of rooting them out. We need to do a better job of maintaining our Internet separate from what China is able to hack, and we need to begin to reciprocate against China. And it doesn't seem like we're doing anything. We're falling behind on military spending. We're falling behind on uh, maintenance. We're falling behind on, on the fitness to fight. Y'all, this is an obvious problem. It is obvious. We know it's coming. And this administration refuses to do anything about it. And if you can conclude somehow that because Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton, he was a Russian agent, given the amount of money the Chinese are paying the, the Biden family, it seems, based on these reports out of Congress, maybe we should conclude that the Biden administration, this is intentional on their part, or at least on the president's part, for us to be a vassal state of the Chinese. If you can draw the conclusion on the one, I'm not sure what's stopping you from drawing the conclusion on the other. Did you know China has made it a priority to teach students financial literacy starting in preschool? Financial literacy isn't taught in our elementary schools, and parents lack the resources to teach it at home. American kids are yet again being left behind. Now there's a great way for parents and grandparents to help the kids they love learn about finance, thanks to the Sensibles, and at bcs-kids.com. The Sensibles are a team of animated superheroes who help kids age 6 to 12 develop smart money habits in a fun way. BCS-Kids.com was created to channel this multimedia resource to kids everywhere. Buy a subscription for your loved ones, and each month, they'll get a Sensibles kit in the mail with an entertaining DVD, comic book, and activities. Digital subscriptions are also available. They'll also get access to an interactive website with a library of lessons, fun activities, and more. Want 20% off the monthly subscription costs? 
Visit at bcs-kids.com. Enter the promo code ERIC, my name, E-R-I-C-K. It's the sensible thing to do. Subscribe today at bcs-kids.com. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number this open line Friday, 877-973-7425. One day I'm going to get his last name right. John Hassan at uh, Town Hall. It can't be Hassan. Uh, John, how do you say your name? I'm going to have to text you and ask you how to pronounce your name. Anyway, um, over at Town Hall, this column, Biden is evacuating embassies more than double the rate Obama did. The United States announced it's evacuating non-emergency personnel from its embassy in Niger, or Niger, and considering further evacuations as Niger wrestles with an attempted military coup, according to a new travel advisory issued by the State Department. It is the third embassy evacuation of the last four months and the sixth since Biden took office. The administration is averaging over two evacuations per year, more than double the rate of the Obama administration, which evacuated eight embassies over two terms, Egypt, Libya, Iraq, Syria, Yemen, Central African Republic, and South Sudan. The Afghanistan debacle was just a preview of disasters to come, tweeted Mississippi Congressman Mike Ezell when the news broke. Uh, The Biden administration, including Niger, has evacuated uh, the embassy in Haiti on July 27th, uh, Sudan, April 22nd, Belarus, February 28th of last year, the entire embassy evacuated, uh, Kiev, February 12th of last year, the entire embassy, and of course, uh, Kabul, Afghanistan. It's just more and more looking like unfettered weakness by this administration. Pulling down the American flag in countries and walking away. The non-emergency personnel in Haiti, due to escalating violent gang warfare and street gangs controlling 90% of the city. Uh, By the way, I remember when American presidents used to send American troops to Haiti to stabilize that situation. You do understand it is in our national security interest that we stabilize a country like Haiti uh, as opposed to letting Cuba or Venezuela do it. Uh, But this administration continues to lead from behind. I don't even know if you can call this leading. Uh, We're fleeing. That's what we're doing. That's what this administration does. They run away just like they did in Afghanistan, and that one cost American lives, and they've still never actually acknowledge their screw-up. Biden continues to believe it was just the greatest thing ever that he did it. He was just able to do it, and it was wonderful, and don't ask any tough questions. Never mind the bodies falling from the airplanes. This is why China knows they can take us. Well, that and the fact that our military is more interested in drag queen story hour than actually learning how to kill bad guys. Now, some of you want to learn how to clean the air in your house. What you need to do is get the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can get three of them for less than $200 right now at EdenPureDeals.com. You'll be greeted with a discount code box on the front page of the site, EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, and you will get three Eden Pure Thunderstorms for less than $200. It cleans the air. Now, it's an air purifier, so it gets rid of the dust and the pollen floating in the air, but it's an odor eliminator, and that's where it really shines. So... Uh, smoke odors, litter box odors, general pet odors, musty odors, frying odors, you name it. I've used one in rental cars because the rental car stunk so bad someone had smoked in it. I've used it in hotel rooms where people have smoked or the hotel was old and musty. 
that had a mildewy smell, and it just works. It really does work. You get three of them for less than $200, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement, one for your RV, one for your travel bag. You can hold it in your hand. You can plug it in with a USB cord. You can plug it into the wall. EdenPureDeals.com. You just put in my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, at EdenPureDeals.com. Get three of them for less than $200. I am a small businessman. The company that I run for my radio show, it's a small business. I've got employees. I don't have HR. You may be in that situation, and you may really need HR. Well, You may want to talk to Bambi. When running a business, your employees can create all sorts of interesting situations and they could get you in trouble. What happens when two employees are squabbling? One of them smells bad all the time. What do you do? How do you navigate the rules? With Bambi, you get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 a month. They're available by phone, email, real-time chat. Onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance. Your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. Let Bambi handle your employees for you. Their HR autopilot automates important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Listen, you want U.S.-based HR managers who give you experience, expertise, a personal touch you need to make it seem like they're a part of your team. They could cost eighty grand a year, but Bambi starts at $99 a month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Go to Bambi.com right now. Type in Eric Erickson under podcast when you sign up. It'll help you. It'll help your company grow. It'll help you keep peace of mind. It's spelled B-A-M-B-E-E. Bam. B-E-E.com. Bambi.com. Type in Eric Erickson. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. And it's Friday, so we're a little looser on the phones, or at least I am. I'm not sure about the call screener. I'm going to go right now to the first call of the day. Craig, welcome to the show. Hey, Eric. How you doing? Great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic on this Friday. Hey, I just wanted to jump in and echo what you said about... Uh, about taking and putting things like our healthcare system and those type of things in the cloud online. You know, there's an old saying that says just because we can doesn't mean we should. And um, I'm in the transportation business. Another good example of it is, you know, the big thing in transportation these days is uh, driverless trucks. Yeah. And the problem that with that is, is that most people don't understand is that truck drivers today make between seventy, seventy-five thousand dollars and a hundred and ten thousand dollars a year, that's a pretty middle class income. So just because we can uh put out driverless trucks, why would we want to and replace all those middle class jobs? Uh, yeah. Oh man. So this is perfect timing for you to call in because I, I, Kroger around the country is now moving to uh, get rid of workers and put in uh, self checkouts, uh, like go completely self checkout, no cash registers manned by anyone, uh, which is what I was going to talk about. And, and you know, at, at some point, these these trucks that we got, we're going to na- need to name them all Christine after the Stephen King killer car because <laughs> I mean the Chinese are going to hack those and they're going to be running us all over. Absolutely. It just, it scares me. Thanks, Craig. I appreciate that. I, I want to talk about this. And this is it, when we push out a show monologue today on video. This is what I told Philip I want to want to do. I have spent a lot of time on what I think is a very good piece from David Brooks in the New York Times 
about how uh, maybe it's the anti-Trump elite in this country who are the bad guys. Maybe they should consider it. It's it's a very good piece. And what I find notable, actually, is that I have a lot of friends on the right who are, like, angry at the piece. Well, I shouldn't say angry. They're just like, well, this idiot, we've been saying this for a long time. Is he only now listening? Uh, I, I resent his confessionalism that they're not happy. I think when someone who is center-right to center-left has an epiphany like this, instead of excoriating him, we should say, welcome. Let me just read you uh, real quick part of this again so you understand what we're dealing with. The, the most important part of the systems today is the modern meritocracy. We built an entire social order that sorts and excludes people on the basis of the quality that we possess most, academic achievement. Highly educated parents go to elite schools, marry each other, work as high-paying professional jobs, and pour enormous resources into their children who get into the same elite schools, marry each other, and pass their exclusive class privileges down from generation to generation. David Markovitz summarized years of research in his book, The Meritocracy Trap. Today, middle-class children lose out to the rich children at school, and middle-class adults lose out to elite graduates at work. Meritocracy blocks the middle class from opportunity. Then it blames those who lose a competition for income and status that, even when everyone plays by the rules, only the rich can win. The meritocracy isn't only a system of exclusion, it's an ethos. Over the last decades, we've taken over whole professions and locked everyone else out. When I began my journalism career in Chicago in the 80s, there were still some old, crusty working-class guys around the newsroom. Now we're a college-dominated profession. And he goes on from there, and, and essentially he ends with this. We can condemn the Trumpian populace until the cows come home, but the real question is, when will we stop behaving in ways that make Trumpism inevitable? I I disagree with David Brooks on one key issue here, though. The meritocracy is not bad. The United States has always been known as a meritocracy compared to European aristocracies. The United States has always possessed the idea that through your hard work and ingenuity, you can get ahead. And that is still, by the way, overwhelmingly true. You have a great idea. You can market it, you can build it, and you can get ahead. Eight out of 10 millionaires in this country did not have inherited wealth. They came up with a good idea and through hard work, they became millionaires. The meritocracy is not the problem. It's the credentialism that now serves as gatekeeping to the meritocracy. So if you're a regular listener of the program, and if you listened, for example, yesterday, I talked about the Tonga volcano last January. It exploded and rapidly increased water vapor in the atmosphere. Water vapor in the atmosphere serves as a heating agent. And I said so much of the heat wave we're having this summer that the media is blaming on climate change is really related to the volcano. And in fact, scientists have told us repeatedly 
that this summer and next summer and through this winter is going to be unusually warm because of all of the water vapor blasted into the atmosphere. And in fact, they underestimated the volume of water vapor. And only since March have they realized how much water vapor is in the atmosphere. It's increased something like 20% of the water vapor in the atmosphere came from that volcanic explosion. Over 150 metric gallons of water vapor poured into the atmosphere. And in mentioning this online, progressives uniformly demanded to know, how are you an expert? Do you have a degree in climate change studies? How can you say this? You're not an expert. And they immediately rushed to shut down the debate not based on the merit of the argument, the soundness or the, of the argument, or the documentation of the argument, but on the credentials of the person making the argument. And it did not matter how many news stories I sent to them, how many research reports I sent. And by the way, there have been a copious amount of research reports from scientists through this year saying that we would have the heat wave we are now seeing, and it would be because of the volcano. They're, well, you're not a scientist. You don't know how to read the papers. It's the credentialism that's the problem, not the meritocracy. DEI is a credentialist aspect. Uh, there was the story of the uh, San Diego State University now. We'll not allow in highly competent, skilled researchers for cancer research unless they bow to diversity, equity, and inclusion and include a statement of how they have advanced non-white um, social justice. It's the credentials, the gatekeeping into the institutions. It's the credentials that serve as gatekeeping into the meritocracy. The need for college degrees for jobs that don't really require a college degree, that's part of the credentialism that limits people from getting into the meritocracy. Or think about all of the, the certificates you have to have. Uh, you you want to be, be a barber? Think about all the stuff you got to go through in a lot of states just to get a certification that you can be a barber. Or a plumber, never mind that you've apprenticed, never mind that you've got skills, never mind the free market, never mind that if you're bad, you'll get a bad reputation and go out of business, never mind all of that. You've got to have the certifications, you gotta have you gotta have all the documentation from the state. You wanna open a lemonade stand in some states, you gotta go fill out all the paperwork. The left has put up a credential category to deprive people of income and keep people out of their society. And now you've got Kroger around the country. Kroger has decided they're going to get rid of cashiers at Kroger's and use self-checkouts. Now, some of this in some places is due to a labor shortage. They are short of cashiers, so they need to expand self-checkout. But some of it is because labor has become so expensive They've got to save costs, and it's cheaper to run the self-checkouts with a couple of people there to oversee it and make sure you're not stealing than it is to have the, the cashiers because they got to pay a higher minimum wage. Because one of the things that David Brooks wrote in his piece is how people on the left do things and take positions on things to signal they care without actually doing anything. Most of us are earnest, kind, and public-spirited, but we take for granted and benefit from systems that have become oppressive. 
Elite institutions have become so politically progressive in part because the people in them want to feel good about themselves as they take part in systems that exclude and reject. The minimum wage increase is a prime example of this. These high-income white people in labor unions who would benefit from it raise the minimum wage, think they're helping the workers, and then the workers lose their jobs to automation because the upper-income white people, and it is almost always predominantly white people, they care so much about these poor non-white people in minimum wage jobs, they decide, well, we're going to not make it easier for them to progress in society. We're going to make it easier for them to make money in their current unskilled labor market. So they demand an increase in the minimum wage, and then what happens is the business goes under or the business lays off the people and brings in a touchscreen. Dollar General, Walmart, Kroger, others bring in these self-checkouts where you do all the work. It's less efficient. It slows you down. It displaces people's jobs. But in many cases, you can't blame them because they got to do it. Either they, they don't have enough labor or the labor is now too expensive, thanks to the well-meaning of the credentialed class of the American elite. There are ways to undo this. Lowering the minimum wage. Getting rid of diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Getting rid of the need for credentials and college degrees for certain jobs. Getting rid of legacy admissions in colleges and universities. There are ways you can tear this down. It's not the meritocracy that's the problem. In America, in the United States, we still tend to have this idea, which is a very good idea, that if you work hard, you can be successful. It's a good idea. If you work hard, you can be successful. Tim Scott's argument against the left and the systemic racism of the United States is that he is the he is the grandson, great-grandson of the—he's a descendant of slaves in this country. He has lifted himself out of his family's intergenerational poverty. He has worked hard, and he's made his way to the United States Senate from the state that launched the Civil War. And the left is screaming, complaining, and whining about Tim Scott. They are offended by his willingness to say this. Barack Obama himself came out and chastised Tim Scott for saying, your experience can't be compared to the experience of everyone else. Barack Obama chose to identify as a black American. He had a choice. His family owned slaves. Tim Scott is from a family of slaves. And Tim Scott speaks to the American dream. Barack Obama surrounds himself with a credentialed class that protects themselves and their privilege at the expense of everyone else while doing little things like saying we're for increasing the minimum wage and giving everyone health care on the backs of corporations so you lose your job because the company can no longer afford you. But it makes them feel good they did something. 
This is also why so many of the poor in the middle class are moving to the right because they're finally realizing they've been played all this time by the Democrats who don't want them a part of their cities. They don't want them in their schools. They don't want their kids to have school choice to go to better schools. They just want to do little bitty things that make it feel like they care without actually caring about the lives and the quality of life of so many Americans who are now being displaced by robots because of the policies of the Democrats. It's time to end the credentialism of America and actually return to the meritocracy. You know, just as a random aside, and this is a perfect segue because I got to tell you about Vision Computer. Giving your kid a good education and access to technology is one way to elevate them in society, and Vision can save you money. Uh, if you need to get your kid a computer for school and you're struggling, uh, reach out to Vision Computer. They can build you what your kid needs, not just what they want. They can build them what they want to, but you go to a big box store, you may be priced out of getting something competent for your kid, something useful for your kid. Vision's going to build just what you need, and then they're going to be your tech support as well. So with kids going back to school, mine start on Monday. If your kid needs a laptop or a desktop, call Vision Computer at 404-COMPUTE. Anywhere in the nation, they can help you. Put a computer together for your kid. It's custom built. It saves you money. You get you what you need, what you want, and it lasts, and they service it. By the way, they can do this for your business as well. If your business is struggling, you're you're having to buy computers, you need to find tech support for your employees, Vision can take care of all that for you. Your employees can call Vision Computer. They actually answer the phone. They literally answer the phone. You're not in this waiting hell cube all day long. They answer the phone. They solve the problem. In a lot of cases, they can remote in to fix the computer problem. You don't have to send them the computer. They can do printer, email, you name it. They work with your employees or your kids, like my kid, calls Vision when he has a computer problem. 404-COMPUTE's the number, 404-COMPUTE, or go to visioncomputers.com. If you call them at 404-COMPUTE, ask about the Eric Erickson special. And again, this isn't just for people in the 404 area code. This is for everybody nationwide. Vision Computer helps people all over the country. 404-COMPUTE or visioncomputers.com. Are you buying a building, building a building, buying a franchise for your business? Well, First Liberty might be able to help you nationwide. They do deals, $250,000 and more. FirstLibertyGA.com is their website. Anywhere in the nation they can help businesses, reach out to them. Tell them I sent you. FirstLibertyGA.com. Let's go to Greg. Greg, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. How are you? Hey, Eric. Just, yeah, uh, down here in Fayetteville. Just want to say something to you here. Uh, just to your last segment there, credentialism is actually a, a symptom of the problem. It's part of it's bureaucracy has taken over everything. You know, bureaucracy. I'm, you know, the first law of bureaucracy is punish those who can't, can't or won't, you know, spend themselves. So yeah, yeah. You know, th- there everything is everything else follows. Everything has become bureaucratized these days as well. Um, It's kind of, I I mean, it just, whether you're going to the DMV or you're, I mean, you're, you're navigating colleges with your kids or it just, everything is bureaucratized and uh, people lock themselves into these positions, particularly, I mean, in state bureaucracies, they've gotten notorious. They, They become job placement programs. You know, when I was an elected official on a city council, We considered changing a vendor at our city hall to save money. And it became a racial issue because the company that would save money was run by a white guy. And the company that was costing us money, more money than we should have been paying, was run by a black guy. And it immediately became a race issue. And also the one company was out of town. 
the com- the expensive company was in town and it became it became a job protection scheme as well. And I realized over time on city council that a lot of the city councilmen got themselves reelected, uh, not through, really through constituent service, except uh, they were getting people jobs with the city. You grow the city bureaucracy, you get people in the payroll. They got a good job with government benefits. It got people reelected. And we see that all over the place. Think about, you know, when when you leave office. Uh, as a president, your politically appointed staff can take civil servant positions inside the government at comparable pay rates and embed themselves within the civil service. This is how we have the deep state. And you you get great pay and you expand the bureaucracy. You shut out other applicants. Um, Everything is bureaucratic. But so much of it, too, is it's the credentialism as the gatekeeper. You got to show your degree. What institution did you go to? Do you have the right paperwork? Do you have the right certifications? All of that just to get your foot in the door now. They have credentialed democracy and made it harder and harder for people to get into the meritocracy without seeing eye to eye with the wokes. The DEI training you all have to suffer through in corporate America is so stupid, and yet you have to do it because the elite demand it. It makes them feel good about themselves while really doing nothing to change the culture of the workforce. It's all for their vanity, not actually for anything else.